Good afternoon. This is the October 5th, 2023 regular meeting, the Louisville Metro Planning Commission. This meeting is being conducted in person at the old jail auditorium at 514 West Liberty Street, as well as by live video teleconference in accordance with KRS chapter 61. Members of the public were informed of the option of viewing and participating virtually or in person. Public notice has been provided and materials have been available for review by the public. The following rules are in place for today's meeting. Please silence all cell phones. Please be courteous and respectful to the commission and your fellow citizens. Agendas and staff reports are located near the entry of the auditorium or on the louisville.legistar.com website. For those participating virtually, chat messages are not part of the record and are not monitored by all members. Please refrain from sending messages to the panel. If you have any questions or if you'd like to speak, you may send messages to the host. Today's proceedings are being recorded. Anyone wishing to address the commission must do so from the podium or virtually. All speakers are asked to state their name and address, including zip code for the record, before being sworn in and making any statements. During a person's time to speak, he or she may ask questions of any prior speaker or government employee present who has reviewed the case. Each speaker must remain available for questioning, otherwise his or her testimony will not be considered. Please note chat messages to the host, panel, or anyone else in the meeting are not considered testimony and will not be considered or addressed. If you plan on speaking, please fill out a speaker's form as soon as possible. Those participating virtually must submit an online speaker's form or notify the host or case manager in advance. Priority shall be given to speaker cards in the order that they are received. Only those who have completed the speaker's form will be allowed to speak. Each agenda item will proceed as follows. Staff will have five minutes to present a brief summary of each case, including a description of the proposal and an outline of the most important issues. The staff report was provided to the commission members in advance of today's hearing. Copies of the staff report have been available online. We will not read the staff report into the record. However, the staff report for each case on the agenda is hereby incorporated into the official record of this hearing. Next, the applicant or a representative may make a statement in support of the application being considered by the Planning Commission. Other persons in support of the application will then be heard. The applicant's representative and other persons in favor of the application will have a total of no more than 20 minutes for their remarks. Thereafter, those in opposition to the application will have a total of no more than 25 minutes to be heard. Finally, the applicant or representative may have five minutes for rebuttal. The Planning Commission's deliberation and voting on each case will occur in business session held immediately after the conclusion of testimony related to the case. Any statements related to the cases must be made during the public portion of the hearing. All right, we'll start with roll call. Williams. Here. Carlson. Here. Cheek. Here. Kern. Here. Fisher. Here. Howard. Present. And Lewis. Here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'd like to begin by swearing in the staff that are going to participate in today's meeting. If you'd stand and raise your right hands. Do you swear and affirm that the testimony you give the Planning Commission is the truth? Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Forgot about you on there for a moment. 
All right. First order of business on our agenda is the approval of the minutes from the September 21st, 2023 planning commission meeting. Are there any edits or corrections to those minutes? Madam chair, I sent in uh, some corrections to the minutes regarding the voting of names. Uh, and I'm sure they've been corrected by now. They were, yeah, yours were added. And then also I'll, I'll add, I'd left off the uh, the notice blurb in front of the two of the zoning cases. Uh, so I don't know if they made it into the versions in front of you all, but Marilyn has that copy if you really want to see it. So <laughs> I've got the corrected, corrected copy. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So if it's all right to make a motion to approve the minutes as corrected, I would like to do so. Go ahead. Thank you. Regarding the uh, 9-21-2023 Planning Commission minutes uh, for the meeting that was held with the corrections, I move that we approve the minutes. Second. All right, we have a properly made motion and second. Further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote, please. Mims? Yes. Carlson? Yes. Cheek? Yes. Kern? Yes. Fisher? Yes. Howard? Yes. And Lewis? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, we have a consent agenda item, 23 street name 0001. This is a street name change Stewart Avenue, uh, located at Stewart Avenue in Fury Way. Uh, Ethan Lett is the case manager. If there's no questions, I'll entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda. Madam Chairman, I move approval of the consent agenda, which consists of 23 street name 0001 that was forwarded to us from the Land Development and Transportation Committee. Second. All right, we have a properly made motion and seconding further discussion. Hearing none, roll call vote. Fisher? Yes. Howard? Yes. Kern? Yes. Cheek? Yes. Mims? Yes. Carlson? Yes. And Lewis? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, <clears throat> moving to the business session of our agenda. We have a binding element final order 7701 Smyrna and Laura Ferguson is our case manager. Laura Ferguson, assistant county attorney, 200 South Fifth Street, suite 300 North 40202. So there are three binding element citations before you. One was issued on March 17th, 2022. One was issued on April 19th, 2022, and one issued on August 4th, 2023, none of which were appealed. As a result, there are the three final orders before your consideration. This property has been the subject of numerous inspections, and it was previously before this commission on January 6, 2022, for an unappealed citation. That final order was entered and the fine had been paid. Um, specifically, binding element number one is in violation, which is that the development will be in accordance with the approved district development plan. All applicable sections of the land development code and agreed upon binding elements unless amended pursuant to the land development code. Any changes, additions, alterations of any binding elements shall be submitted to the planning commission or the planning commission's designee for review and approval. Any changes, additions, alterations not so referred shall not be valid. Um, the violation in this particular case is there are outdoor storage racks containing cardboard, which are not approved on the subject site. It's sort of a recurring problem. It gets right for a while and then it has a problem. But anyway, pursuant to KRS 100.409 sub 6, when a citation is not appealed, the owner shall have been deemed to have waived the right to a hearing to contest the citation and the determination that a violation was committed shall be deemed final. In this event, the Planning Commission shall enter a final order determining that the violation was committed 
and imposing the fine set forth in the citation, which for each of these citations was $4,000. The commission is being asked to enter three final orders, one upholding the citation issued on March 17, 2022, one upholding the citation issued on April 19, 2022, and one upholding the citation on August 4, 2023. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them, but that's usually it's just a motion to enter the fi three final orders. All right, commissioners, any questions? Madam, oh, oh. go ahead, Chief. So it's $4,000 on each one of them or 4,000 total? It's 4,000 on each. each. Each citation has a $4,000 fine. And is there any order to make it keep stop doing it um so what they have so what can happen is if the final the final orders are entered and then we send it out to the property owner and the property owner can pay the fine and comply and if they continue to not comply ultimately at some point i could take it to circuit court to get an injunction but i know that the zoning enforcement officers are working with the store managers because sometimes it seems like the problem is they get it all worked out and then there's a different store manager and then it becomes a problem again. So it's, they have periods of compliance and, and I think zoning is trying to work with the store to have more consistency so that it's not so subject to which manager's on duty. Okay, thank you. I have a, a question. Um, what if they don't pay it? Then what? Well, we go to court. You can go to court and you can go for enforcement and you can ask for a judgment and then ultimately you could go to court again with the judgment and get a judgment lien. Yeah. Does, does that happen? We've got some in circuit court right now. Okay. Because, uh, you know, $12,000 is pretty, you know, that would certainly get somebody's attention, but by the same token, um, you know, you can drag it on. We, we've seen these uh, binding element things just kind of drag on, drag on, and, um, and it it does seem like it's a very slow go in terms of what you have to do, Laura. And I know everybody's doing their best, but anyway, okay, thank yeah. you. All right, other questions? Not will entertain a motion to. It looks like Chief is ready to make that motion. Madam Chairman, in regard to the binding element order, final order for uh, 7701 Smyrna, I move that we enter the three final orders that were proposed and described by the assistant county attorney based on the assistant county second all right we have a properly made motion and second any further discussion hearing that I, I think we need to know the name of the person who made the second for the minutes suzanne cheek okay thanks <laughs> all right Anything further? All right, roll call vote, please. Mims? Yes. Fisher? Yes. Howard? Yes. Kern? Yes. Cheek? Yes. Carlson? Yes. And Lewis? Yes. Thank you. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Cheek, that was a soft second. That's why we needed to know who you were. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to uh, deviate from our agenda slightly as we move into the public hearing portion. We are going to take the last case first. This is 23DDP0050, Revised Detailed District Development Plan. The project name is Casualwood Apartments. Okay. 
It's uh, located 8314 Casualwood Way, and Ethan Lett is our case manager. Thank you, Ethan Lett, Office of Planning Staff. So this case was heard at DRC yesterday, um, and they elected to defer to this body. Uh, after that motion was approved, the applicant realized that they had a scheduling conflict today, so they have asked um, that it be continued to the October 19th agenda. Okay. Uh, any questions from commissioners about that? I have an, an issue. We do have one person here signed up as opposition on that case. Leslie Peak. can you be here on October 19th? Ah, you'll have to come to the microphone, I'm sorry. They were trying to let folks know yesterday that this was going to be continued, and I forget the gentleman. Uh, let me swear you in before you answer these questions, if you'd raise your right hand. Do you swear and affirm that the testimony you give the Planning Commission is the truth? Yes, ma'am. All right, give us your name and address, please. Leslie Peak, 7906 Gainsborough Court. All right, so back to my question. Can you be here on the 19th when this case is gonna be heard? I can, if, if is the person that's not here in support or in opposition of- It's the applicant. We have no one here from the case except our case manager who works for the city. And the applicant is whom? The Casualwood Development LLC. It's an inconvenience. I took off work to come down here now. And if it's October 19th, I, I guess I'll be here then. If you all don't, can't take my information now. Um, I, I know you have this Zoom stuff, but when you don't have a real technology person. Okay, uh, i tell you what, it, we will take your testimony now, understanding though there's no one here from the applicant side that's going to address it. That will have to be on the 19th. But it, on the 19th, if you want to hook uh, in by the computer and see what's said, you can do that. Um, it was my understanding from my neighbor that was here yesterday, Jeff Hudson. He's what? Was he the one that was told it was not going to be here today? That's the council rep. That's the council rep. Right. The, the, the council person. Yeah. His legislative aide was here yesterday. Yeah. Tors yeah John Torsky was here yesterday. Um, and then the, the one gentleman that was here yesterday showed up, but I told him we were continuing it. So he left. So another resident in right, yes. opposition. Yeah. Someone who spoke yesterday came back today. Yes. Okay. Julia, you have something to say? If it's going to carry more weight for me to be here on the 19th, I'll come back on the 19th. I don't want anything lost that I'm not a public speaker, but I live at the bottom of that slope. <laughs> yeah, I think it would tell be, you all anything. If you can come back the 19th, that would be preferable because that way if they have questions or if you have additional questions after listening, you'd be able to ask. Okay. Um, but if, if you can't and want to leave some testimony today, that's okay too. Okay. Is it at one o'clock? Um, yes. And it could be the last case or the move uh, to around to the first it, case. It will like, not be the last case. Yeah, uh, I guess. Like it wasn't that. today. It says it was, but it yeah. wasn't. Right, but okay. we yeah we we already have a last case designated for the nineteenth. So yeah, I know it will not be the last case. So. Okay. okay, could be next to last, but not. But last. I, I think we'll try to move it if we can. Right. What yeah, else we, is on the agenda? Yeah, right. yeah it was can. put on here last. We knew it came from because yesterday. It was going to be continued. That's no, yesterday it was going to be continued to the 19th. 
Yeah, we found out at the end of the meeting because I think we After had adjourned by that point. Adjourned, they found out it was going to be uh, put on the 19th. That was part of the problem. The meeting had already adjourned. And I guess they caught the other gentleman in time that was here to testify yesterday. We were but, able to contact some people through email. Yeah. Um, that were that had participated yesterday, and then the one gentleman that showed up today that was there. We okay. All right. I'll be back on the nineteenth. So, so, would it be possible to obtain her email to the staff in case uh, it's canceled? They could notify. Her? Or should should we be upgrading our speaker forms to include phone numbers in case there's more immediacy needed? I don't know. Do you want to just put a phone number on this speaker form? Is that the easiest thing to do? Or we can we can have Ethan get her information from her, and then that way okay. we can let her know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Is there is there a reason why we couldn't direct staff to put this as the first on the agenda, as it would be old business anyway? Already dealing with it today. Make it first. Sure. No, because it. <laughs> This first under public hearing. Usually, the, these requests don't come in quite the way that they did. At oh, by the way, we won't be here after the meeting ends. So, all right. Teams at one o'clock, unless I hear otherwise. All right. Thank you. Sorry about that. All right. Where was I? We did need a motion. We need a motion to continue this to the night, Madam Chair. I move that in case 23 DDP 0050, we continue this case to the October 19th, 2023 Planning Commission meeting with the instructions for this to be first on the agenda or the first case on the agenda. Second. All right. We have a properly made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote. Fisher. Yes. Howard. Yes. Kern. Yes. Cheek. Yes. Mims. Yes. Carlson. Yes. And Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Going back to our agenda under the public hearing, um, agenda item number 423, DDP 0078. This is a revised, dis revised detailed district development plan known as uh, Whole M Fat Flats at Outer Loop. Address is 6001 Outer Loop and J. Luckett is the case manager and, and Jay's with us electronically today. Yes, hello, uh, Jay Luckett, Planning and Services staff, 444 South Fifth Street, 40202. This is 23 DDP0078 located at 6001 Outer Loop. Next slide. Uh, the request is a revised detailed district development plan. I, I'll note there is one revision to binding elements. It is just to update the um, hearing date for the um, elevations as they were previously shown at the Planning Commission. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Uh, the applicants proposing to construct 252 multifamily dwelling units, a little over 15 acres. Uh, there are a mix of two and four story buildings. Um, the previous plan, 20 zone 120, proposed the same number of units uh, across um, a greater number of three story buildings. Next slide. Uh, the preliminary plan has been approved by transportation planning and MSD. So here is the sites located along outer loop uh, to the east of Preston Highway in the Highview area. Um, it is the former High Life Swim Club site. Go to the next slide. 
the zoning is uh, R6 per that uh, 2020 case, uh, mostly R4 around it on this side of the uh, uh, outer loop with more mixed zoning, the east and west. Go to the next slide. Uh, so they um, on the sharing the outer loop frontage with it on either side is two different uh, religious institutional uses. There are some larger lot single family homes to the rear of the site, uh, and then across outer loop you have a more traditional subdivision pattern. Go to the next slide. So here's the uh, applicant's proposed development plan. They are proposing three four story buildings, uh, mostly into the center of the site, and then they have two two story buildings that are closer to the frontage along outer loop. Um, and then they have uh, the associated open space. Uh, you can go to the next slide. And this was the previous layout uh, and from 2020. It was a, a mix of three story buildings, um, mostly the same floor plan with a couple of, of variations in that. So you can go to the next slide. This is the applicant's proposed elevations. Um, on the bottom right, those are the two story buildings that would be fronting on outer loop. And then you have the other three. The three buildings um, that would be internal to the site um, and the other renderings you can go to the next slide. This is the view of the subject site currently. You can go to the next slide. Another view, we keep going through these. Here's the adjacent uh, St. Athanasius Church. And then uh, across out of loop, here's uh, a view of some of the residential development over there. You can go to the next slide. Uh, other example of sites across outer loop. Keep going. And then this is the uh, Oklahoma church on the other uh, side of the site along outer loop. Okay. Um, staff finds that the, uh, the proposal does include a variety of building types and sizes. Uh, there's two story buildings facing the public street, which would provide a pedestrian friendly scale and then four story buildings more internal to the site. Uh, the buildings are proposed with a mix of durable materials and variations in colors consistent with the Highview neighborhood plan. Uh, the request is adequately justified to meet the standard of review. Uh, the board of zoning adjustment this past Monday approved a variance to permit the structures to be uh, 45 foot tall instead of 35 foot tall. Um, so go to the next slide. Which required action today is a recommendation to Metro Council uh, as this has the binding element requiring uh, any significant changes to go back to Metro Council free approval. I realize I forgot to put that in my staff report as I was making this. So sorry about that, but uh, that is your required action. Jay, could you take that back to the, yeah, that plan right there. Can you point out where the daycare is on that? Um, it's in the building, okay. the building that is parallel to uh, the left side, the, the the one that's up and down. The daycare is kind of on the bottom. The applicant's going to go into some more details of exactly how that works, but they do have a dedicated drop-off area there along the bottom there, and there's an associated playground and such for the daycare there. Okay, so it's within that same building footprint. Yes. yes. Yeah. I could. I couldn't find it. All right, thank you. Other questions for staff? Well, along the same line is the, the daycare is a part of the package at this point. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of all or nothing the way I'm seeing it, but uh, is that is that yeah, my belief? So the child, this child care, I think this is the first, um, the first usage of this particular part of our new child care regulations that were passed last year. 
um, that would, it allows for the establishment of childcare centers on multifamily sites that have, I think it's 20 or more units and are over an acre. Um, and so under using those special standards, they are uh, permitted to construct the childcare facility, you know, along with this multifamily development. I think this is the first attempt to use those new rules with a new multifamily development. Okay, and then uh, probably a follow up to the Board of Zoning Adjustment approval of the height variance. It looks like those four story buildings are set off the um, adjoining residential property considerably more than what the three story buildings was. Was that some of the um, basis for approval of the um, height variance? Yeah, it's quite, uh, there's quite a bit. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I know a little bit there. So you can comment ahead. on that as well. But yeah, definitely, I think the applicant will also go into more details about the particulars of that. But in the previous plan, those three-story buildings were kind of right at that 50-foot zoning line. Um, and I think the nearest the four-story building as well as properties is over 100 feet now. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Other questions, Chief? I would presume this increases the open area as well. It does, yes. Um, there's uh, more open space. The applicant will go into those details and further. Okay. Thank you. All right, any other questions for staff? All right, we will hear from the applicant. Mr. Aurora. If you would raise your right hand. Do you swear and affirm that the testimony you give the planning commission is the truth? Yes. All right, give us your name and address, please, including zip code. Vishal Aurora, 220 Lyon Street Northwest, Suite 500 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49503. All right, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for uh, hearing the case this afternoon. Um, I'll be respectful of uh, the commission's time uh, and try to answer the questions that were just raised, uh, but also point out a few salient um, topics at the at the very beginning. Um, I will ask whoever is controlling the PowerPoint to just uh, listen to my cues, if you don't mind. Um, if you go to the next slide, please. And the next slide. And the next slide. Um, Magnus Capital Partners, that is our firm. We have a, a long history in housing, uh, specifically multifamily housing around the country. We've been very focused on trying to help solve the workforce housing problem uh, by delivering a best-in-class new construction product around the country. We have started, maybe predictably, in our home area of West Michigan. Uh, this is our first effort here in, um, in Louisville, in the metro area. But as you all appreciate, I think there's a, a fairly... Um, well-articulated need for that kind of housing here, and we hope this project meets that need uh, squarely, uh, along with the child care facility, which I'll, I'll come to in a moment. Next slide, please. Our vision, we just want to create socially responsible housing solutions, so we try to just be diligent, have exhaustive conversations with the neighbors and, and folks like yourself, do good and constantly innovate with our product, make sure we're always doing better with each one. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. This is a brief um, map uh, summary of where we've been operating and where we are. We hope to be operating in the in the near future. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. 
The next few pages, um, we're just going to show you more visuals than anything else. It'll just give you a flavor of what our units and our properties tend to look like. They are designed to be high quality, uh, near class A uh, in, in, um, in aesthetics and are heavily amenitized. The picture on the left is actually, a uh, this is a real photograph of a yoga studio that we have at one of our flagship projects in Michigan. Next slide, please. This is the adjacent gym to that yoga studio. Next slide. These are unit photographs of actual units. You can see full-size washer dryers, ample space for in bedrooms, uh, storage, open plan kitchens, um, and just a nice modern timeless aesthetic. Next slide, please. Some of the amenities that we offer um, are on these following pages. Uh, we hope to bring many of them, the same ones to this project, which I'm happy to articulate uh, during the question and answer session. Next slide, please. Uh, some more amenities. You'll notice the um, proverbial package problem that we're trying to solve on the lower left there, uh, as well as secure key fob access to all the residents as well for, for, for secured areas as well as their units. Next slide, please. We have a lot of pets. We understand there's a lot of pets down here as well. It's fairly common, uh, especially amongst the younger demographic that choose not to have kids and prefer to have the pets. We cater to those that make that decision, you'll see a dog washing station on the upper left-hand side. Uh, there's an indoor dog wash, a dog park rather on the lower left there, um, and uh, many more amenities that we have throughout the project uh, to support pet ownership. Next slide, please. Uh, we spent a lot of time working with the community and reaching out to the community. So um, part of what we do is, uh, is through our past partner program, which you'll see shortly, but we also focus on resident enrichment. And so you'll see sort of some categories and some things that we do to make the programming onsite of, um, rewarding for the residents. These are uh, without charge. They are free to the residents as part of our cost of running a high quality workforce housing product. We do manage each project ourselves. We have in-house management, uh, which helps us ensure uh, the level of quality and deliverables that we are looking for um, in each project. Next slide, please. Uh, this is that past partner I just mentioned a moment ago, the partnership rather, where we are working with local businesses, employers, retailers, trying to promote the patronage of uh, locally owned small businesses. Um, and so we encourage our residents to use those businesses and um, have, all, have a very active referral program as well uh, with them. Next slide. Next slide. Skip next slide, please. Next slide, please. This slide, uh, you just saw a version of it uh, from Jay. This is the previously approved plan. I'll just go um, uh, point out the, the obvious, perhaps. If you look at the, the northwest portion of the site, those are three three-story uh, multifamily buildings that are, yes, respectful of the setback required, of course, but are fairly close to the adjacent uh, residential uh, uses there. On either side, as you know, there are churches, there are no residential uses there, but there is a fair level of proximity, even on the eastern edge, you can see there. They have 252 units. Uh, and next slide, please. As do we, but you'll see this, the, the site's been, in our, in our mind, cleaned up a little bit by offering to bring a more dense product, the three four-story buildings to the center of the site, exaggerate the distance from the nearest neighbor to the northwest, uh, I'll articulate that in a moment in, a, in a, another slide. Uh, but you'll see that there is a lot more open space 
created um, from this change. We've also uh, are parked at about 1.27 uh, on this on this plan, which is within the ordinance uh, requirements. The previous plan was parked more than two to one, which which is um, a choice that that team had made. Uh, we've reduced that. We've opened up the open space. You'll see between the leftmost building, the parallel one, and just right of that, there's four green circles meant to denote trees. Those are existing trees today. It's just west of the existing swimming pool. Uh, our hope is to preserve those. It's very intentional how we've organized the building so that we have some natural automatic shade of mature tree stand that we can leverage and, and make a, a useful amenity. Um, and as you see, we've exaggerated the open space by creating a longer L-shaped um, uh, space that will be programmed. So it's not just um, open prairie mix. It's programmed with uh, playgrounds. It's open with it's programmed with pickleball courts, which are uh, all the rage, um, dog runs, et cetera. Uh, and again, just to make it a very usable open environment. We've, we've then stepped the scale down along outer loop, as Jay mentioned, uh, just to offer a, a more reasonable transition from the neighbors across the street uh, into a multifamily project, which which um, we thought was the right thing to do. Uh, on this slide, I, I just point out the childcare question location. Jake correctly pointed out is right there where his where the mouse is uh, floating over. The southern leg of that building is approximately seven thousand square feet that we're hoping to program for childcare. It is using the ordinance um, as Jay articulated uh, by right. That will be. Uh, housing approximately 100 kids or so. We'll, we'll fine tune that as we get closer to licensing, but approximately 100, 100 children. That facility is not exclusively just for the residents to use. It is open to the public. It is open to any parent that needs childcare. The childcare was placed in that location intentionally. It is, it will have, of course, pick up and drop off times. We have a Way by a lane, as you can see, kind of carved out just south of that building, which allows for, if you follow the entrance from outer loop, you'd enter from the south, enter, make a left around that roundabout, and have that byline, the byway <clears throat> drop-off lane there um, to facilitate um, the morning and the afternoon pickups. Once you've done that, you have the opportunity to go to the next roundabout to the far west and of course hook back around and come out to the outer loop this minimizes disruption yeah there we go uh, this minimizes disruption to the rest of the site in terms of uh, intrusive traffic so so it isolates the parents and kids from the the residents um, but still offers of course a, a wonderful wraparound service for the residents and for the broader community the other two buildings uh, the l-shaped building that you'll first encounter right where the mouse was hanging a second ago. That's where the leasing office is. So when you drive in, that will be the most visible um, uh, part of the site you will see. Uh, and then the building across the street also has amenities at its ground floor. So we, that, will, that will house things like the gym, the studio, the yoga studio, the co-working, um, pet washing stations, and so on and so forth. Next slide, please. Uh, this slide is, is what I was referencing a moment ago. This shows you the difference from the previously approved plan, which is the second column in terms of metrics, and the third column showing the proposed plan in front of you this afternoon. Uh, the largest change I would point out, or changes, I suppose, are the open space is increasing by about 9%. That's about the fifth line down. Uh, the interior landscape area, the ILA, has increased almost by double. 
Um, and then the last line, which shows you that the previous distance to the nearest neighbor was 150 feet. We have doubled that uh, based on the changes that we made. Next slide, please. Uh, this is answering the question earlier about what the justification was from a, I guess, from a BOZA standpoint um, to justify the 45 foot, or rather the 10 foot variance. On the left is the previously approved three story elevation. You will see it is three stories, but it has a pitched roof. So when you build up a 612 roof as, as they had proposed, by the time you get to peak, you're at 45 feet. Our four story building has a flat roof. So to the parapet, you are at 45 feet. So from a massing standpoint, as one would experience the buildings, if you were standing in front of it, it would feel the same in terms of scale and mass. The difference is, of course, we've offered additional housing units in fewer buildings by using the right-hand side um, approach for story buildings. Next slide, please. Uh, these are some visuals for you with a, with a legend off the left showing you what view you're looking at. This is from the outer loop and uh, an example of a two-story building that we would um, like to put there. Next slide, please. This is the westmost building, the one that has a, the childcare facility. That childcare facility would be located on the lower portion on the right-hand side. That would be the southern portion of the building. Um, and shows you the scale of that four-story building. Behind this is, is the uh, existing tree stand in that large uh, open space area. Next slide, please. Last view, this is the leasing office. You can see on your left-hand side here, um, uh, marked by that pergola structure, uh, the attached pergola structure. Uh, to the left of this is the uh, open space it shares with the uh, childcare facility. And then behind this building, or wrapped on it effectively by two sides, west and north, is the, is the larger green space area. Next slide, please. That's it for me. Uh, happy to take some questions. All right. Questions for the applicant, commissioners? I have one question, sir. The um, child care playground, is that a playground that is fenced off and limited to the use of the children at the daycare? Yes. Um, one question: you have, Do you have an operator for the childcare at this point, or is it a little early for that? Um, we we do actually. So as a as a happy coincidence, I suppose we ourselves seeded that company, the childcare business. Uh, we have an operator uh, who we partnered with, okay. uh, who will be um, who will be running the day to day operations of that business. Yes. So it's actually us that you're getting as the uh, operator. Sure. And just kind of. Um, out of my own curiosity, are are the four story buildings are they steel frames? Uh, no, it's all wood build. All, it's all wood. stick build. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Chief. Where is I presume you'll have a mail kiosk? Where is that with respect to the child daycare area? In, do you mean in terms of um, mail for the residents? So we we will be um, following the lead. Of, of, uh, of where to put those mailboxes. Typically, we'll have mailboxes located at each building itself. Okay. And then we'll have one package room, as I mentioned from one of those photos, centrally located uh, in that building C next to the leasing office. My curiosity was, you know, are we going to have people going to get mail at the same place when people are picking up kids? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. I think when we get to the final detail and planning of how to handle the 
circulation, as it were, uh, we'll try to keep the, the mailboxes towards the center. And so each building, of course, has a central uh, common corridor and has main entrances off of the, usually the middle, middle of the buildings where the main entrance will be. That's typically where you'd see the mailboxes kept, and that would be away from the child care. Okay, good deal. Thank you. But, and I have one final question, though. Shut up. Uh, do you have any EV charging stations planned? Uh, we hope to. We hope to. We haven't put it on this plan, uh, only because we're early enough to uh, try to understand credits and legislation and rebates and all that, um, all that effort. But we do hope to bring some child, some uh, EV stations to the site. Sure. Thank you. Yes. All right. Any other questions? I don't have anyone else signed up. Julia, do you have anyone online? Nope. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There's no one else here for that, for this case, is there? I don't have any signed up. All right. Commissioners. Any final questions before we close the public hearing? Nope. All right, we will close the public hearing. Anyone have thoughts they would like to share? Madam Chair, I, I guess I can just report from the Board of Zoning Adjustment meeting on yesterday. Um, similar questions were asked just like they were here today. And so I finally said, today is a rehearsal for the public hearing tomorrow. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, in all, the um, Board of Zoning Adjustment agreed that, I'll say by consensus, that they love the vision of this development because they, they want to be diligent, they want to do good, and they want to be innovative. Um, and I think, according to the way we voted yesterday, we saw an innovative plan. We also saw that more green space was provided and that because the highest point of the highest peak of the pro previously approved plan was 45 feet. We did not see that it was harmful for this height to also be 45 feet to provide the kind of housing that would be provided uh, at this site now, in addition to not changing the density or the number of units. So um, we loved it and was also in accordance with the uh, neighborhood plan. So that's why we voted the way we did. We loved the innovation. Yeah, I wish T. Andre was here because I'm going to say what he would say. This is a better plan, uh, just for the reasons that you've indicated. You know, more innovation. It's not the same old stuff. Right, and we oh, we also did ask about the uh, exterior, you know, uh, like brick, you know, vinyl things like that. And so, everyone seen, and we have builders on the uh, board of zoning adjustment, and they loved the plan. Yeah, it certainly is nice to see something a little different than what we normally get, Chief. And this won't be the, the tallest buildings in that area anywhere. There's at Farmdale Adult Towers just across the street or within a stone's throw of where it's at. So it's it's not unheard of four-story buildings in the area. I think there's probably going to be some interesting competition for the upper state. <laughs> So I think it's going to be. A oh, and the other thing too, we only had one person to come, and that was a clergy, a pastor of the church. I think on the east side, um, not in opposition, just wanted to know about the height. Is that what it was, Laura? Do you remember? Was it the height, or just glad to see those buildings come off of that eastern side? 
I can address that I can. If, if, okay. if I can. I think he, he had asked about um, the potential for uh, fire protection with the four-story buildings. Oh, yeah, fire protection. Um, and, and he was informed that the Fern Creek Fire has uh, reviewed and, and approved or, you know, so that they're okay with the plan. His main question was, was there a ladder high enough that would get to the fourth floor? And the answer and, was yes. And when you go that tall, you'll have to have sprinklers in that building and things are a whole lot better in a fire situation than no sprinklers. So not a bit uncomfortable with it. Good. All right. Anything further? I'll entertain a motion to approve this sure. plan. Go ahead. I'll let you do it. I, I, I made the motion. In 23 DDP 0076. I move that we recommend the. Uh, we're recommending that the Metro Council approve the revised detailed district development plan with the change in the binding element that was identified in the staff report about the. date of being today, and I'll base that on the staff report and the testimony that we heard. I'll uh, second the motion. That's good. no good. That's good. No good. Good. All right. Any, anything further? <laughs> All right. We've got a properly made motion and second. No further questions. Roll call vote, please. Howard. Yes. Kern. Abstain. Cheek. Yes. Mims. Yes. Fisher. Yes. Carlson. Yes. And Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Next item on our agendas, 22 zone 0105. This is a change in zoning from R4 single family and C1 commercial to R6 multifamily with a district development plan with binding elements and waiver. It's at 9408 and 9500 Old Bardstown Road. And Jay Luckett is the case manager. All right, this is 22 zone 0105, 9408 and 9500 Old Barstown Road. Uh, the request of the change is only from R4 single family and C1 commercial to R6 multifamily residential. Uh, there's also a waiver of land development code section 10210 to prevent uh, some paving to encroach into the required BUA LBA along the frontage. And that's related to um, requested change from LDNT. Uh, and then there is a district development plan with binding elements. Um, Applicants proposing 152 multifamily dwellings. Uh, it's about 9.28 acres. It's near the Fern Creek area of Louisville Metro. Uh, there is a single home and barn on 9408 Old Barstown Road that's proposed to be demolished. Uh, the preliminary plan has been approved by Transportation Planning and MSD. So the site context is a, just a little north of Fixton Lane along Old Barstown Road. Uh, so you can see there is a, a mixed zoning on the site. There is some commercial and even industrial zoning centered around Fixton Lane here. Uh, there's some other non-residential zoning and uses along the other side of Old Barstown Road as you go to the north. Um, and then you've got a large area of mostly vacant land to the east, which they are proposing, or to the west, I mean, which they are proposing a stub connection through to. Um, and you kind of see that PRD area, and there are some developments starting to happen over to um, the other side of the site and to the north. I'm going to the next slide. 
Uh, there's the aerial of the site. So you can see one side is, is essentially has one home and barn. The other one is vacant. Um, and you've got the large, the large, uh, older, uh, agricultural land or former agricultural land. You can see in the aerial as well around the site. Go next slide. Uh, so this is the uh, proposed development plan, essentially the same as was LDNT, except for uh, in the far uh, top right of the plan in the northeast, you can see where they have uh, proposed a sub essentially to pave to the edge of the right of way. Um, you know, in, in case there is a, as things start to develop to the uh, east or to the, I'm sorry, to the west of the site, if there is a need for additional future connectivity through um, that could facilitate that at a later date. And the waivers re requested is about that encroachment of pavement there. Go to the next slide. Yeah, next slide. Am I frozen? Uh, are the slides froze? Do you see the rendering, Jay? It's on the rendering, Jay. Do you see that? Oh, there it went. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I think I froze for a second. Can you hear me? Oh, <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Now, here's the uh, proposed elevations provided by the applicant. And so here's some uh, photos of the subject site. You can go through these. Subject site, the current home on it. Um, this is one of the adjacent sites. Go through that. Uh, here's across the street. We have some more vacant property. And here is another homes to the north. And um, the uh, Fern Creek Fire Department is also across Old Morristown Road over there. Um, the staff does find the uh, proposed zoning changes generally in keeping with the applicable policy of the plan 2040 uh, would a variety allow a variety of housing styles and lotting patterns that would facilitate the production of affordable housing in the area. Uh, sites located within proximity to major transportation and employment opportunities, as well as uh, services and amenities, uh, the district development plan waiver are adequately justified to meet the standards of review uh, and comply with land development code. And that's okay. you know, the required actions or uh, recommendation of Metro Council on the zoning change and final action on the waiver and DDP. All right, commissioners, questions for Jay? Yeah, I, I want to make sure that I have this right. This case is this property has been around for a good while. Mm -hmm. And I recall that we initially had a, a townhouse or townhome plan. I think it was about 90 units or maybe more. Like we were pretty insistent on that roadway connection. And I think uh, that was going to remove um, a considerable number of the townhouses that were proposed. So uh, realizing that and also the cost of townhouse constructions a bit more per door, I, I would suspect. Developer came back with this plan, which yields more units, but does get the connection as we had requested. Do I have uh, the right yeah, check? Yeah, that's the gist of it. Uh, it had initially come all the way through to Planning Commission, I think in February. 
um, with that townhome thing. Uh, and at that point, it had a waiver to not provide connectivity uh, to the west. Uh, and after discussion, uh, they decided to uh, continue the case and go back to the drawing board. And they came through with this more traditional apartment development, but that has uh, addresses the connectivity, um, you know, for uh, in the area better. Okay, thank you. All right, other questions? All right, we will hear from the applicant. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did hear you say they're not going to pave out to Old Bardstown Road right now, but if development down the road happens and that becomes a necessity, they will do that, or will the developer that that develops in the adjacent land are they the ones that would have to do the paving or how would that work? No, so they they are proposing to pave to the right-of-way edge. So at that point, it would just be someone would be requesting an encroachment permit um, to connect the new driveway. So that was part of, that's the reason for the waiver actually too, is because, you know, at the request of LDNT, they did agree to pave to the edge. Um, and, but, yes. you know, in, in the meantime, that becomes just kind of a, a piece of pavement where there's supposed to be a buffer. Uh, so that's why I requested that they ask for the waiver. And the, every now and again, we'll have you know, concerns come up about, you know, future connectivity and uh, people get a little bit upset because connectivity happens. There will be things in place so that this would not come as a surprise to, to folks, I presume. Um, maybe the applicant can address some on that. I mean, generally, so if usually when we have public roadways, then, you know, we have a process where we have signs and things that can indicate something's a site of a stub for future connection. Um, maybe in this case, it's going to be on the development site. Uh, the applicant might have some ideas about how to make sure that they're you know, in that event that that future residents would be informed of a potential future connection. Um, but I don't know. It's yeah, maybe a little different because it's not a public right of way. Right. Uh, one more thing I did want to bring up. Sorry, uh, one more thing I want to bring up uh, in my staff report. I left blank um, were the binding elements about a uh, contribution amount for um, potential improvements to the fixed and lane intersection. Um, and after publishing, uh, there was an email um, from Commissioner Kern. Uh, looked like her number was twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Um, so maybe the applicant can address whether or not they think that, that number is acceptable or, um, if they feel like that there is a different number that is more appropriate for that. Okay. Thank you. That's binding element number six. You'll see there's just a X's in there. That's where the 29,500 would, would go or whatever's agreed to. All right. Any other questions, commissioners? All right, hearing none, we'll move to the applicant. I have uh, four speaker forms signed up in support. Are these all with the applicant? Uh, Bernstein, Robert, Price, and Bert? I only see three people. Who's not here? Uh, Mr. Bert's not here. Okay, and not coming? He won't be here. All right, let me just swear the other three of you in together and you can decide how to use your 20 minutes. If the three of you would raise your right hands, do you swear and affirm that the testimony you give the planning commission is the truth? I do. All right, when it comes your turn to speak, if you begin with your name and address, 
including zip code, please. Uh, good afternoon, members of the commission. Uh, my name is Bissell Roberts. I'm an attorney with Barton Whipper Talbot Roberts. I'm pinch hitting for Nick Pregliosco, who's out of town today. Um, also with me um, is the principal for the owner freeze property management and that's a Dan freeze and he's available to answer any questions as is Ted Bernstein, who is a, a landscape architect with land design and development uh, who has put together the development plan in this case uh, to answer the question that came up a moment ago. Uh, we did get a proposal to make a contribution on the right turn lane at Thixton lane onto southbound Bardstown Road, $29,500, which is what was suggested by the uh, Louisville Metro Works Department and the applicant uh, is, is willing to make that contribution provided the property is rezoned, obviously. Um, uh, we, we will make that contribution. Um, the, uh, I might just ask, because it probably would affect the speed at which I go through this, but is, I don't think there's anybody here in opposition. Am, am I correct about that? I don't have anyone signed up. And is there anyone online, Julia? No. So based on that, I'm gonna I'm gonna move a little quicker than I probably would otherwise uh, through my presentation. Uh, I would uh, like to just uh, I'll just indicate next slide if we could get the next slide. Uh, this site um, is located right about there, and as you can see, uh, this is. Old Bardstown Road um, right here and uh, farther to the right here is Bardstown Road. Um, the, the predominant zoning in this area is uh, commercial, including C1, I believe, and some C2. There's a couple of M2 industrial sites. Uh, and then there's uh, also several larger uh, R5A sites. Um, we're actually asking for a down zoning on a portion of the property. Uh, the site is 9.28 um, 9 acres. If you go to the next slide, please. Uh, you see uh, the C1 portion, we're asking to be down zoned R6. Uh, the other portion is R4, and we're asking uh, that the property be zoned from R4 to R6 to accommodate 152 apartments. Next slide, please. This is just an aerial that shows the location. You see a better idea there of Bardstown Road over to the middle of that slide and then Old Bardstown Road where this property is located. The actual address of these two properties are 9408 and 9500 Old Bardstown Road. Next slide. This is an aerial looking towards the northwest, and um, you this road right here is Thixton Lane. This is the area where the right turn lane will be right there at Bardstown Road. Um, the This site right here is a large rental business. Uh, this is a bootleg barbecue right here, a liquor store right here. A this is a McVeigh Plumbing right here. This is the Fern Creek Fire Department number two, and right about here is a small U.S. post office. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just an aerial uh, looking sort towards the northwest of the, it's called equipment share. 
The address there kind of throws you off because it says 9812 Vista Hills Boulevard, which actually connects to Old Bardstown Road. It's a little confusing there. Thixton Lane, the name of the street changes the name. Next slide, please. Uh, this is bootleg barbecue. Uh, the building behind that white van, it's sort of a flat looking roof on the building is the, it's called two lane liquor store. Next slide. Uh, this is a view across the parking lot of two lane liquor store. You see the signage of two lane liquor store and then the building in the background. Uh, the building in the background uh, in the middle of the picture is the McVeigh plumbing. And I believe that property uh, adjoins uh, the, the property that's involved in this application uh, to the south. Next slide, please. This is a, sort of an aerial view of, um, of the Fern Creek Fire Department number two. You can see it's a large structure, a lot of cars parked there. And there is a driveway on the right-hand side of this slide that you see connects Old Bardstown Road and Bardstown Road. And I think that's so that the fire department can, can primarily so the fire department can maneuver, maneuver either direction uh, when they need to, um, to, to move out with their fire, fire equipment. Next slide, please. This is a... Um, this is a view towards the north in front of the site. Uh, one thing that wasn't, uh, wasn't mentioned is under our development plan, uh, we were asked to construct a left-hand turn lane uh, from Old Bardstown Road into the apartment complex. The applicant has agreed to do that at its expense. That's in addition to the improve, improvements on Thixton Lane. Uh, but that is the, um, that's the approximate location of where that turn lane will be. Uh, into the site, which is on the left-hand side of this slide. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just a view looking towards the west from Old Bardstown Road uh, to the site. Uh, that's the area where the apartments are going to be constructed. Next slide. This is a view uh, looking uh, to the east along Fixton Lane. You see uh, the closest roadway that intersecting is Old Bardstown Road where that white van is turning. In the, in the very horizon almost, you see Bardstown Road. So the new right-hand turn lane to be constructed eventually at, uh, on Thixton Lane will be the area between Old Bardstown Road and Bardstown Road. And that's, that's the area where um, the applicant is going to contribute $29,500 to that, and that is payable pursuant to a binding element. I can't remember the exact timing, but I think it's maybe when we get our construction permits, uh, but there's a definite time period when that is to be paid. Next slide. Just another view. This is looking south on Old Bardstown Road. Over the left-hand side there, you see there the area between Old Bardstown and Bardstown where that new right turn lane will be constructed. Next slide, please. Uh, to address what Mr. Mims's uh, pr prior comment was, there was a prior development plan uh, that was submitted, I think it was back in March of this year. Um, this, is, this sort of depicts that. Uh, the applicant was 
proposing town, 110 townhomes then uh, with no connectivity to the west of its property. Um, uh, the applicant was urged to come back with a different plan that provided for some connectivity, so we have done so. Next slide, please. Um, this is just an illustration that shows, shows the site and shows a large subdivision um, to the north of our site that's, I think, called Crosby Farm that has 263 lots. It, did, it does show a lot of connectivity there. I think there's actually six, um, six stub roads on that, on that site. Next slide, please. Uh, this is not was not mentioned in the staff report, but I did want to mention it. There is a aerial easement agreement with the FAA on a nearby property. Uh, you, you may or may not be familiar with it. it it's a 10-year, I believe it's a 10-year lease that runs out in 2027. Uh, next slide. Uh, that lease provides a a I think a buffer area of uh, 2,000 feet. Next slide, please. Uh, it's called the Vortec, and this is, it's some type of device that's used, I think, to navigate aircraft into Stanford Field. I don't know how it operates. I can't really explain it, but it's a, it's some kind of beacon that's used to assist in navigation of aircraft. Our site is beyond the 2,000 feet. That's the point of this slide. Uh, you can see on the right-hand slide, you see our site on the right. Uh, that vortex goes out, I believe, 2,000 feet, and we are beyond that. So our our project really is not impacted by that, but I did want to point it out. Next slide, please. This is our current development plan, and on, on the if you see, look at our site, you see we have moved from 16 buildings to six buildings. Uh, these build, different buildings have different number of apartments in them, but they're basically one bedroom, two bedroom, and three bedroom apartments in these buildings. In the upper left-hand corner of our site, you see the, the stub connection um, that uh, we had originally asked for a waiver on, but that's been withdrawn. On the right-hand, upper right-hand corner of our site, you see that uh, we are going to connect, uh, or we're going to, uh, install asphalt to the property line. Uh, as a result, we need a to request a waiver of the landscaping requirements there. So that's our waiver request. Next site, please. Um, this just depicts the the layout. Um, the number that these buildings are going to be three stories tall. Um, and then that this depicts the number of units. Uh, we've moved the clubhouse. I'll describe that in, in the next slide, please. Um, this is on the left-hand side was our original development plan. On our right-hand side is the new one. Uh, you can see that we've provided a stub connection in the upper left-hand corner of our site. Uh, we've relocated our dog park. As you can see that it's sort of a, the arrows in the, the second uh, arrow in the middle column, and then we've moved the pool and clubhouse area. Uh, we've also moved the uh, maintenance shed area. So this shows, um, I think, probably more green space, and uh, we have um, landscaping that 
is I think 35% of the site and our landscaping will exceed, I think the minimal require, requirements and really make this a nice looking project when it's complete. Next slide, please. This is just the, the current development plan. It's very hard to read here. Uh, mainly I wanna just show, show that because uh, on that plan we do uh, have a note about the left-hand turn lane uh, off of Old Bardstown Road into our main entrance. Uh, the next slide. Uh, this shows uh, a comparison uh, at Old Bardstown Road uh, where we um, had no pavement go or not to the property line, but our new plan takes the pavement to the property line. And we are re now requesting a landscape waiver. Um, we've submitted a written justification for that. I'm not gonna go through all that, I, uh, but I think that the it's in the staff report. Uh, we do think the waiver um, is justified. It, it is came about because uh, they asked a change in our plans, the tr transportation cabinet did, and this will not, add, it's nothing that we did, will not adversely affect adjoining property owners and strict compliance with uh, the regulations would require a hardship on the applicant. Next slide, please. Uh, these are renderings of our buildings. Um, as I mentioned, they're three-story buildings. Um, they're their balconies, I think, on each unit, and then um, one set of buildings uh, to the south. Uh, there's a walkout area into a uh, in, into what will be a patio. Uh, next slide. And next slide, please. I think this is the one that shows the walkout on two of the buildings to the south, uh, where they're there will be a patio there at the ground level. Uh, otherwise, there are, are balconies on each of the apartments. Next slide, please. This is a rendering of our clubhouse, of a front view, rear view, uh, left view. Um, it's in keeping with the neighborhood and there's a good looking structure that will be available for our residents uh, to use from time to time as they choose to do so. Next slide, please. Uh, I would like to file at this time, uh, just into the record, the um, a book of uh, this that include or exhibits that include the staff report, this PowerPoint presentation, the binding elements that we're in agreement with, and proposed findings of fact that we have submitted uh, to justify the zone change. Next slide, please. I can file these with. Yeah, just hand them to uh, Jim. We'll pass them down. And I'll remind you, you've got five minutes left. I'm just about through. Um, what we're seeking is that the um, the planning commission make a recommendation to Metro Council to approve the zone change from a, a C1 and R4 to R6 to accommodate this development. Uh, we're asking that you approve the development plan. The latest development plan is submitted uh, with all binding elements, we're in, which we're in agreement with, and that you uh, grant the waiver regarding uh, the, the uh, landscaping uh, related to the connectivity that uh, we're providing there at Old Bardstown Road, the 
the stub there. I am uh, for justification for the zone change. I'm simply going to rely on what I've just filed as proposed findings, and fact, conclusions of the law. I'm not going to read through that or even highlight it. It's it's uh, it's consistent with the staff recommendation. The staff recommendation uh, was that uh, this uh, project did conform with the comprehensive plan. I think there were 27 checklist items. We clearly conformed with 25 of them. The other two had to do with the uh, barn and the house on the property. Uh, we're not going to be able to save those due, due to the construction. They are older structures, but they're not in any way could be considered historic structures. So uh, they will they will uh, be demoed in accordance with local regulations. And um, I think uh, next slide. Let me just yeah. Just if you have any questions um, for myself or for um, or for the developer or for um, the landscape architect, we're We'll be happy to answer any questions. All right. So Ted and Dan are just here for questions. All right. Commissioners? Yep. Sure. Just give us your uh, name and address, please. Daniel Freese, 7607 Ashton Park Circle, Louisville, 40228. All right. You got about three minutes on that clock. Thank you, commissioners. I'll be brief. Uh, when I was last here in March, looking at the prior site plan for 110 uh, luxury townhome uh, projects, we we're quite excited about that. And the reason we we're asking for the waiver of the connectivity is we we're trying to create an enclave uh, within that community. It really, a neighborhood that had a uh, two unique cul-de-sac designs with significant park space in the middle of those. We understand the need for the connectivity. The issue for us as a builder is trying to create a neighborhood feel and allowing for connectivity to our neighbor to the west. We don't know what is going to happen to the neighbor to the west. It's a large uh, site, is currently being marketed. Uh, it does have this uh, Vortac easement over that'll limit uh, you know, development for years. But I don't know what's happening there. It could, it, we're, sort of assuming uh, in our dialogue that it will be a residential use, but it could be a commercial use. And as we're looking for a compatible neighbor to what we're doing and not destroying the neighborhood complex by bringing commercial traffic, truck traffic, construction traffic through our site. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, it, there's a noxious activity that could occur with this connectivity. Uh, although we are providing it, uh, we are willing in the future to have that connectivity go through the property, but this is a stub road connection. This is not a thoroughfare um, as many projects um, have come through before you that are similar residential uh, zone changes. Uh, many of them simply have a stub road connection to the parking lot as we've had presented, or they have no connectivity as a project um, you heard before us and the matter didn't even come up. So it's, it's, very important to us to understand what we're doing and if there's going to be a binding element that we agree to connect um, in the future with old bardstown road i'd also like a binding element that we're not obligated to take commercial traffic and truck traffic and construction traffic for the adjacent 60 acres so uh, again we're trying to be responsible builders here and maintain that neighborhood feel this connectivity issue really seemed to be the primary stumbling block that we had in march with the other project uh, with the infrastructure and the market changes, we simply cannot have a feasible project with that 120 unit townhome project any longer. That's why we had to go to with a higher density uh, 
the higher density project and move that connectivity point to the furthest north. So if it does become a thorough thoroughfare, it has the least amount of impact for us. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner's questions. Well, I, I have a um, question probably for Director Kern uh, that also may involve the uh, the applicant. So the applicant has agreed to contribute $29,500 to um, the additional uh, right turn lane on Thixton. Um, where, where does that go? I mean, and, and how um, is that doled out? Uh, in the future, or is it is that, uh, or is there enough capital in place right now to build it? So the short answer is no, there's not capital in place. Uh, where this started from was KYTC was asked to investigate the viability of installing a right turn lane at that intersection. Uh, and that's the basis of the cost estimate. So at this point, the funds would be on hold until the rest of the funding could be secured. Do, do you all t take that in as a cashier's check, a bond, or just a... I, you know, I swear I'll do it type of promise or? I believe we have a couple different situations. Okay, thank you. The binding element says it will be prior to public works construction plan approval though. So I guess that's the timing that approval won't occur until I get it, however that method is. All right, other questions? Yeah, Chief. This is more of a comment or a suggestion or something like that. Uh, you said there's like an old farmhouse and an old barn on the property as it is now. I would presume that you will demolish those buildings or take them down some kind of way. I've seen some times where people have used the wood from these old places in the new things that are built, like say you're going to have a clubhouse building and wood or trim work or something like that. You know, if you could hang on to some of that wood and maybe. It's always been kind of a neat thing. Up Yeah, and hopefully the answer is, yeah, we'll think about that. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll need you to answer those questions from the podium, please. All right, commissioners, other questions? I do have a question for the applicant. Uh, if I understood you at the end, Dan, your concern about connectivity is not knowing what's going to happen on the western adjacent property. And there does appear to be a fair amount of industrial have kind of commercial land to the south uh, uses H how do we approach that if you know this is built and time goes on and that adjacent property is developed uh in a higher more dense commercial use not unlike what is immediately to the south how is that addressed 
uh, to so that this this connection is not used as a thoroughfare or I'm just asking the mechanics of how is that? We'll let Jay answer. Yeah, so a lot of that is sort of handled by the, the land development code and the comprehensive plan itself. And so if there was further uh, review of, of new proposals on that lands uh, that lie to the west, um, you know, there are provisions in the comprehensive plan that say, you know, you should not have access to uh, significantly higher intensity through lower intensities. So that'd be something to consider. Um, and then also within land development code, there are um, requirements for there are differing requirements for how a proposed commercial development is supposed to connect to existing stubs uh, as opposed to um, residential. In some cases, the a commercial uh, district might be able to do a pedestrian only connectivity to an existing residential, so that the you know residents could could act could access it, but it wouldn't uh, cause a uh, a thoroughfare through there. Um, so really, that's that's kind of how it would be considered from staff standpoint and the review of those future developments. Is that something that could be addressed in the binding elements of this project? Or is that just we defer to the land development code for future whatever happens next door? Um, I think that so in this case, if they, you know, if they're, they're building into the property line and they're creating a stub, they're essentially, you know, future development is going to be out of their hands and it's going to be in the hands of you know, the planning commission and Metro council to uh, review those proposals, uh, which may or may not include, you know, say, for example, there was a residential development and we said, actually, this is exactly why we wanted this stub to connect through all the way to old bar road. Then you could require that residential development to uh, permit the, the driveway access and create that cross connectivity. You know, if we had a, a non-residential development come in, you could say, well, this doesn't seem appropriate anymore. We no longer want this stub to connect through there. So yeah, it's, you know, you can you can have a binding element on this site, but essentially they are building it. They're doing what they are doing to allow that connectivity as appropriate as reviewed in a future time. I think that uh, Jay addressed the question uh, from the point of no uh, higher zoning district, like industrial, like say M2, M3, that according to the re regulations, as I remember them from a general standard, I hope that hasn't changed in the book. Um, and not that it's in the area of the land development code as much as as a general statement that says no uh, land use that's higher. And well, I guess you would call it industrial higher than residential. I don't know what you call it, but it would be uh, and negative impact on the residential property could could cross access onto a lower zone property. You all remember that? So it, it doesn't matter whether the access point is there or not. It's just that any development that has a negative impact on another a residential access, it cannot happen. Am I making sense? So you are, but as time goes on and, you know, commissioners change and staff changes, I'm just curious about how to, uh, if, if, if the answer is just, you just have to rely on the code, I guess that's the answer. Is that appropriate? Well, this particular statement is, has nothing to do with code as much as it has to do with not allowing access 
that's negatively impacting residential development to happen. Okay. Chief. And I would presume that any future development proposals that come in there, the owners will be notified and they will have the opportunity to say, hey, this is not what we really intended to be happening here and we don't like it. And the owners and the residents for that matter. I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? Uh, uh, sorry, the, the, the no. both the owners and the residents would be notified under current uh, requirements. So is the intent that that access across through there will be a dedicated street or it's just access? Cross access. I mean, so at this point, it's just, it's just cross access. They would still control that, correct? Yes, um, I mean, generally, you know, when we, if we do have a situation where we have a stub that we, um, you know, through the process determined that it's an appropriate connection to a new development, um, you know, it can't generally be gated thereafter without like a detailed development plan. So, um, you know, the planning commission could, um, you know, we'll review any proposals that would come through there for that connectivity to make sure that it was done in an appropriate way. Understood. All right. Anything else? Other questions? Well, I just hope that um, Brian and Julia will remember this when they to totally rewrite the code uh, in the next year <laughs> um, in accordance with the housing new housing plan. Wouldn't this be pretty standard for planning, though? You wouldn't want a more intense use going through your residential area. That's why I said it's in the general statement of the, I don't know what we call that anymore. Is it, what it's, is the regulation book called now? Is it just land development code with this general standard statement there? This is Julia Williams with uh, planning and design 444 South 5th Street. So it's, uh, it's not actually a code requirement, but it is in the comprehensive plan uh, to not, uh, go through higher or lower intensity properties to go to get into higher intensity. So if the property were commercial or industrial, then uh, they would not have to connect. I mean, they just simply would not have to connect. Uh, but I think as a planner, we would ask that they have a pedestrian connection, as Jay mentioned, uh, but not a vehicular connection because you don't wouldn't want that those uh, heavier or uh, more uh, or less residential traffic going through the site. And, and that's that's already in the land development code and the comprehensive plan, uh, depending on what that site gets developed as. If it's residential, it's gonna connect. And, and that's pretty standard planning language, right? Mm -hmm. There's little chance that's ever gonna get changed. That's been so. in there since 2006. And, and it's been in both comprehensive, uh, the Cornerstone 2020 and plan, plan 2040 is to not uh, connect uh, going through lower intensity to higher intensity. All right. Anything else? Uh, I don't have anyone else signed up to speak on this case. Julia, do you have anybody online? No. All right. Uh, commissioners. Any final questions before we close the public hearing? No 
objections. All right, we'll close the public hearing. Uh, anyone have thoughts they'd like to share with their fellow commissioners? I think I said pretty openly last time, I, I don't support the connection to the neighborhood. I think the terms are too subjective um, and it's just really messy. And um, having had experience with, you know, previous um, kind of closed community, closed managed spaces, it just becomes very messy and you've got people coming through and then you've got, you know, they've got to install speed humps or what have you. So that that's my take on the connection. No, I agree with Commissioner Kern. Uh, I thought the first time this came through that the trying to provide access for the next property over, considering the plan that they had was was not right or proper. I still don't think it is. I, I will add that that beacon that y'all are talking about is the main uh, navigation beacon for all aviation going east, west, or north, south the United States. It's a big deal. And uh, it's not going to go anywhere, and there's going to be very limited development around it for a long time. Is that just based on height, or are there other limitations? It's line of it's sight. It's broadcast. I mean, they, if you're going in a plane east or west in the eastern part of the United States, you're going to be vectoring off that beacon. But, but for the restrictions in the easement, 2,000 feet from it. But is it a height thing or is it a what you would build even regardless of its height? I, I don't think they're, well, I don't know exactly the regulations. I'm just saying it's a substantial, um, I mean, I did a lot of development in this area and that parcel that that's on would be instantaneously a hit with everybody. And the reason that nothing's been done to it because no one can figure out how to get around it. Yeah, it's a, it's a VHF omnidirectional range and basically it goes up at an angle. So there is height restrictions. The closer you get to the beacon itself, the least amount of height you can have to interfere with it. The further you get out away from it, you can get but, more height. But what you're actually doing on the ground, as long as you don't get above that height, yeah, is not an issue. It's a it's an airspace plane. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. From but the, this property is outside of that airspace restriction, right? And I think this is a case where there is a need for diverse housing. This is a busy corridor, but Bardstown Road is a is a well-established corridor. And the applicant has come back at 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 LDT recommendation asking for connectivity uh, to, and willing to make this, in my opinion, needed uh, assistance to this right-hand turning lane. So I think that the applicant has worked to revise a plan and is bringing forth, you know, needed diverse housing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, uh, you know, this is a better plan and they've made a, the, a significant offer. And the offer they actually made, I think, if I understand it correctly, is they just, unless it's other than residential, they don't want to make a connection unless they agree to it. So, I mean, I think it's very fair to, for us to include it like that. I agree. Well, that's a binding element that would have to be written then. Isn't that right? Because it's not there. So we would have to add a binding element in regards to that the applicant would not be obligated to connect if it is. But I, I'm under the impression we've already plowed that ground that it wouldn't 
I, I think it'd just be reinforcing what the rules are today, where what Julia said. Okay. That, that uh, you know, we wouldn't require them to do anything other than that. But I, I would, it would seem to me the logical thing would be to put it in some sort of writing or binding element so everyone understands it going forward. I could probably interject some suggested language there. Uh, Jay Luckett. Okay. If, um, if you would work on that, Jay. Yeah, I'll, I'll get something real quick. All right. Uh, in the meantime, any other thoughts, concerns? Chief? Not for nothing, but I understand that that Vortec uh, technology is at some point in time going to be obsolete with increasing comfort and reliability on global positioning or GPS stuff for uh, air navigation purposes. So maybe not in the next 10 years, but at some point in time, that Vortec may not even be there. Uh, as far as the connectivity, that's what we asked them to do when they came before, because connectivity is one of the things that's in the comprehensive plan. And, you know, there could be something come in that is very com compatible with this, you know, the, the might be even sold to the current developer and they just want to expand a little further. So connectivity is a big thing. All right, any other thoughts? Just to be clear, I 100% support connectivity. I just don't think this particular connection to the rear is appropriate. I'm not gonna deny the development if you all think that it's required and we can have an adequate uh, binding element that satisfies the applicant. I, I agree with that. All right. So do we want to go ahead and take action on the zoning case or does Director Kern want to hear the binding element before we make a motion? Well, would we need to, if you all are saying that the applicant would have to agree to the connectivity, would they also have to agree to the binding element that we draft <laughs> this plan? Yes. What, what I was saying is. Okay. I, I have some language. Uh, my train of thought was they, you know, they've agreed to connectivity. So, but they've asked to have input if, if they're asked to um, join up something with a different zoning beyond residential. Yeah, they'll get noticed just like everybody else, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hear, if Jay, you said you had a binding element yeah. ready. Jay, go ahead and read yeah. the binding element. Uh, I'd come up with, so um, in the event that the property to the West redevelops for a compatible residential use, the developer, property owner, or successor will establish a crossover access agreement in a form acceptable to uh, Planning Commission Legal Counsel. That sound to you, Laura. Sound all right, Council. All right, yeah. Commissioner. Because that's only triggered in the residential, if there's residential development. Um, since, since we've already closed the public hearing, I can't ask the applicant to speak, but I can ask if, if you want us out of public hearing because you've got some concern with that. 
Otherwise, I'm just going to move on and not reopen the public hearing. If, did I understand he, he said that was if it was a residential development? Uh, would you read that again, Jay? Yeah, so in the event that the property to the west redevelops for a compatible residential development, the developer, property owner, or successor will establish a crossover access agreement in a form acceptable to Planning Commission Legal Counsel. And we're agreeable with that. Okay. All right. We're, we will move on then. Um, so, are we ready for a motion? We have a zoning change to deal with before we get to the district uh, development plan and the variance. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Go ahead, Jim. Okay, so in the case of 22 zone 0105 or 9408 and 9500 Old Barnstown Road, my motion is that we recommend to a Metro Council rezoning of the property from R4 single family and C1 commercial to R6 multifamily. And that recommendation is based on the staff report and the testimony that we've heard at this hearing and the previous hearing, I think. Second. Do you, do you have a question? Oh. Just was there a pre previous planning commission hearing or is this the only one? Not for this plan. Yeah, I think so we'll just, just limit it to this plan right. yeah. to this hearing. Okay. Uh, the uh, hearing today of uh, October 5th. Okay, second agreement. Second. All right. Property made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote. Fisher. Yes. Howard. Yes. Kern. Yes. Cheek. Yes. Carlson. Yes. Mims. Yes. Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Okay, and uh, moving on to the waiver. Um, in the case of 22 zone, 0105, uh, I recommend we approve uh, a waiver to the Land Development Code 10.2.10 to permit paving to encroach in a required vehicle, uh, vehicle use LBA or landscape buffer area. And I make that motion based on uh, staff report and our testimony today. Second. All right, property made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote. Carlson? Yes. Kern? Yes. Howard? Yes. Fisher? Yes. Cheek? Mims? Yes. Lewis? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and finally on the uh, district development plan and binding elements to include um, the binding element that um, Jay had um, uh, referenced as, um, I guess that'd be binding element seven. Um, I recommend uh, that we approve the district development plan with the binding elements uh, that start on page 12 of the staff report and include the additional binding element seven relative to connectivity to the abutting property uh, to the west. And I make that recommendation uh, based on our testimony and, and a staff report as written today. 
One and month. we have clarified the amount of the contribution. I was going to say we need yeah. to clarify that in the motion that the amount. Thank that's you. The uh, so the so the uh, the amount uh, as noted in binding element number six shall be twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Second. Okay, we have a properly made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none. Roll call vote. Kern. Yes. Howard. Yes. Carlson. Yes. Fisher. Yes. Cheek. Yes. Mims. Yes. Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We are going to take a quick five minute break while we switch over for the next case. Please don't wander too far. We'll finish up with our final case. Are we back on? All right, we will move on with our agenda. The last case is 23 zone 0063. This is a change in zoning from R5 to R5A with a revised detailed district development plan with binding elements and a variance. Project name is Waterson Gardens at 7009 South Waterson Trail and Jay Luckett is the case manager. Jay Luckett, Planning and Services staff again. 23 zone 0063, okay, 7009 South Warrison Trail. The proposal is a change in zoning from R5 single family to R5A multifamily residential. Uh, there is a variance from Land Development Code Section 5112B to uh, exceed the infill front setback by up to 28 feet uh, for a total front setback of up to 87 feet as shown. Uh, there's also a revised detailed district development plan with replacement of the existing binding elements. Um, the proposal is for 85 townhouse style units. Uh, the site is currently vacant. It is in the uh, Highview neighborhood plan area. Uh, it was previously rezoned from R4 to R5 for a single family subdivision that was never constructed. Next slide. Uh, the preliminary plan has been approved by transportation planning and MSD. And so there's the site context. Uh, it is within the Highview neighborhood plan area. Next slide. Um, so you can see the subject site here. Uh, it's just a little bit to the north of the PD area of uh, the town center, or the you know the town center PD area, which is part of the Highview area. Um, and you know have some a, a large variety of, of zoning and uses, or a lot of uses are allowed in that. PD area, you have a couple of commercial sites adjacent to the south, um, and then you have uh, R5 and some R6 off to the east, and uh, mostly R4 with uh, some PRD and other zoning along as you go north and ways. Go next slide. Yep, here's the subject. The aerial, um, it's mostly uh, an empty field. There is a little bit of tree massing to the southeast. Uh, they are indicating preserving as much of those as they can, especially within the uh, required buffer area. You know, next slide. Here's the applicant's development plan. Sorry, this isn't a very good picture, but there's a central open space uh, with amenities, and there is a um, mix of housing around that, you know, around that as a focal point with access from uh, South Morrison Trail. 
And this was the previous development plan, uh, which was for the R5 subdivision. So next slide. So here are the uh, renderings as provided by the applicant. Um, you can note that they are uh, mostly shown as brick uh, with some other um, materials to provide some um, interest along the fronts of the buildings and they had consistent architecture around. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is the currently the subject property. Go to the next slide. Uh, the uh, sites across South Morrison Trail. Next slide. Here is the other adjacent site uh, to the south. And here's uh, kind of, I think this is the site to the north. You can see where the sidewalk stops there. Um, so, there's a couple of parts of the high view neighborhood plan uh, that are applicable to this. There's 1 about the uh, location of uh, multifamily development that essentially in indicates that it needs to be adjacent to the um, town center and other neighborhood nodes. Uh, this site is approximately 650 feet from the town center area. Um, and there was another provision that uh, in that neighborhood plan specifically that addressed South Larson Trail um, calling that for a future expansion to three lanes. Uh, the applicant is uh, providing the required right-of-way dedication and they have agreed to grade that right-of-way during construction in a manner to facilitate that future expansion to three lanes along Waterson Trail when it's time for that to come through. Um, they have provided elevations which indicate a mix of brick and other durable materials and the development is at a neighborhood scale with individual entrances to units and a pedestrian sale consistent with the Highview Neighborhood Plan uh, requirements for multifamily development. You know, next slide. And uh, staff finds that the proposed zoning district does generally conform to land use development policy of the plan 2040. It would allow a variety of housing options and types, um, and also that the variance in district development plan are adequately justified to meet the standard of review. And your required actions again, uh, recommendation to Metro Council on the change in zoning with uh, approval denial of variance and the revised development plan. All right, commissioners, questions for staff? I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, either for Director Kern or for um, Jay uh, as to the status of this South Waterson Trail construction. Um, last time I was there, they were replacing a bridge and so forth. Is that is that three lane work occurring right now or do you know how it's scheduled or? Um, can you give us an update? Yeah, Jay, I don't know if you cited a time in there. I don't have that information handy. Just a second. Uh, my understanding. So my understanding from talking to Beth and and in the process of review is that it is not right now in um, you know even in the plan the the long term planning phase. More of like a, a long term. We would like this to be three lanes, but I don't think there's any formal. Um, movement on that plan per se. I think there's quite a bit of right-of-way that would need to be acquired along this corridor um, from existing single-family lots that are maybe unlikely to redevelop. So I think there's probably some limiting factor there um, as to when that might be able to proceed. Okay, thank you. All right, other questions? 
Hearing none, we will hear from the applicant. I have two signed up, Kathleen Lenoris and David Mendel. I'd like to swear you all in together and you can decide how to use your time. Would you go ahead and sign Brian Wacker? He's also with us today. He's with the, the developer. All right, if you'll get me a form, please. Three of you would raise your hand, right hand. Do you swear and affirm that the testimony you give the Planning Commission is the truth? I do. Thank you. If you get a form back there and filled it out uh, before you speak, you can go ahead. No problem. Thank you very much. Uh, Kathy Linares with Mendel Scott, uh, 5151 Jefferson Boulevard, 40219. Uh, so the Watterson Gardens development, uh, this, a lot of these slides are very similar, so we'll try to go through them a little quickly uh, just to see what the existing conditions are as why this one's being provided. You can go ahead and go to the next slide, please. Um, on this slide, the dashed black line, that's the boundaries or roughly the boundaries of the high view uh, neighborhood plan. So I wanted to kind of give you an idea. There's a star that's in that kind of the middle kind of on the right hand side of that boundary. So the site is just inside of the high view um, neighborhood plan area is what I'm getting at. And the we also see noted on there, we have the high view town center, which is outlined in that uh, green uh, line is kind of in the lower uh, right hand of this um, particular slide. And with this side, as you can see, is very close to that. So um, the other thing I was just going to point out, the one of the things is that, and Jay mentioned it, um, the neighborhood plan does recommend that uh, residential, multifamily residential be provided within the town center. But all these stars you see all over the place, that's existing multifamily uh, throughout the the you know the whole neighborhood plan so i just wanted to kind of throw that out there and, and most of them are along like this one is you know roads that have a little bit higher classification they're not the lo just local roads it's usually um, either a minor arterial um, an arterial or a collector uh, level roadway so you can go ahead and go to the next slide please This is just the lower half of that same plan showing you the entire, mostly the, the uh, outline of the High View Center and just more of those where the multifamily existing is. The uh, town center is just in the top middle of that, um, of, of the mapping there and uh, goes off the site. But just kind of a idea of where we, where this site falls, which is going to be obviously north of this. But go to the next slide, please. All right, so here, here we have our zoning map and just kind of zoomed in a little bit more. So again, you can see the proximity to the town center um, and to so some of the surrounding uh, neighborhoods and zoning and just that we were right on the edge of the high view uh, neighborhood plan. Next slide, please. And zoomed in a little more. So again, this star, which is a little bit hard to see with that green star where it says R5 to R5A, that is the uh, site and just beneath it is that um, Highview Church of God and then closer to or right along uh, Glasser uh, Drive is I'm sorry Glasser Lane is the uh, plumbing business there and then there's some more commercial on the other side of the intersection of South Waterson Trail and uh, Glasser Lane. Next slide please. And then these are similar to the views that you saw from Jay with what the, the site looks like going in each direction. The top one is looking north. 
um, towards a single, it's actually an open space lot next to us and then single family. Um, and then across the street, it's all single family. And then this is the bottom view is looking south. And then you can see the high view church of God in the background, both their, uh, their uh, church and their, I guess, recreational building or their gym or, or how whatever, however they use it. I'm not exactly sure, but next slide, please. Uh, so just another view of the church um, and the Highview Church of God and the, the plumbing businesses next door to us. Next slide, please. These are the homes that back up to the site. The ones at the top are within the Village of Farm Gate subdivision, which was uh, or which is east of the site. And then we have the homes on Heatherwood Court on that lower view, which is in the uh, Brinewood subdivision. Next slide, please. And if you notice, those are mostly, it seems like there were, there were a mix of one and two story, but are, and some of them like one and a half, I guess, if you consider that they're like tri-levels or something. Um, and then, so here's our proposed plan, a rendered view, so you can see it's just a little bit better. We have the entrance, the single entrance off of uh, South Waterson Trail. It is actually for, he, this was an error on the first plan, on the first, um, comments and even on these this staff report from Jay. And then the reason is, is because the original plan we submitted had 85 units. It was a totally different layout. And, but we, this actual layout had 86. So it's his for 86 uh, unit townhome community. Um, and we fought within that 12.01, I think we were, I know we were less than 11, but more than 10, I don't remember the number right off the top of my head of the actual density, but I can get that if you need it. Um, the townhomes, the proposal is for the townhomes to be individually owned. Now, if that doesn't work out, if there ends up being some uh, issue with uh, selling the units, then he would actually do it for rent them. But the uh, developer says that his goal is to sell so it's not, and a lot of people say, we don't want multifamily, we don't want apartments. Well, this is never gonna be a part, what I consider apartments, what I think of when I hear the word apartments. Um, it is a multifamily, they are attached units, they are on a single lot, but the idea is for these would be like condominiums and they would be individually owned. So I just wanna put that out there. Um, the, and, I, and this housing type is one that you're not really finding in the area that much, I mean, there is some, but not exactly. And it does help to fill that missing middle housing that is so so needed at this time. Um, also, I just wanna point out that our, the client, the developer for this has a, sim, has a development, it's not the same, but just to know the quality of his work, he did do many of the homes in the Spring Villa. Those are a different type of unit. They're detached, um, single family, but they're, it's all owned on, they're all condominiums, basically. They have an HOA, but they are on individual lots that had that was done, that was uh, revised, the plan was revised because of a fi issue with financing. So, but it'll operate, that one operates as condominiums, as this one will operate as condominiums. And I just think he, if you are familiar with that development, you just know what quality, the quality that's there, and I think we'll have something similar in this. You can go to the next slide, please. So I wanted to go over the variance. And basically this is an infill development, so we have to be within the setbacks on either side. 
And so to the north, and I apologize, I think that number should have been 98. The And I, when I do this, I don't go by the front property line. That's what the code actually says. But when you have the front property line varying with, you know, sometimes somebody has only dedicated 25 feet, the next lot maybe they dedicated 30 feet. Well, there's already five foot difference and it's hard to compare it to the same, it's better to me to compare it to that same line. So I'm trying to go from the center line of the road, what's the setback? So it's consistent. So that existing um, home to the north is, a, like I said, like I apologize, that number's wrong. I think it's more like 98 feet from the center line of South Waterson Trail. And then on the south end, the church, because of the curve in the road and all that, um, and the change in the curve in the property line, the front setback varies from about 71 feet to 77 feet from the center line of the road. So then the development, which is being proposed here, which is between those two, we have the end units. Now it is the end units of the buildings being about 71 feet back. And then the interior ones, when you have that frontage road where you have some parking spaces or a driveway where you need to have that 25 foot in front of your unit, that varied from approximately 114 to 127 feet back. But at least on the ends, we are, we, we are falling within the, the parameters. And I think that this, with the landscaping that would be required and with having that frontage road and allowing the buildings to face the ones in the middle, at least, to face the uh, road is a significant um, benefit to the development. I think it makes it look a lot better we, uh, than if they were to back up and then meet that requirement or possibly meet that requirement. So if we can go ahead and go to the next slide, please. I just wanted to touch on this. I disagree with the way the staff report, it basically says that the Improvement to Water South Waterson Trail is a recommendation. I've read it. I got a copy of it here if you want it. But the um, neighborhood plan actually um, indicates the um, recommend that recommendation, but that indicates that going from two to three lanes for South Waterson Trail is in their existing conditions and KIPTA's long range plan. So KIPTA's long range plan is to make it from two to three lanes. It wasn't actually a recommendation in the recommendation section of the high view plan. Um, and KIPTA had said that that would be provided, their goal is to have that provided in 2045. And I actually looked that up more recently to see if it, what that date was, and that's what it said, 2045. That's where I got that, that date from. So that was May of this year that their report said that, the long-term report said that. Um, and this development will provide that need of additional right-of-way and the sidewalk along its frontage. And there is a note in the plan that says that, uh, says that and I think it refers to the additional any grading along that, that front um, property line. So if we can go to the next slide, please. So I know a lot of the neighbors were concerned about traffic. So we did get um, a trip generation and distribution. Um, Adam Kirk was the one who assisted us with that. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. If you have questions on this, I am not the best when it comes to traffic, so I'm gonna lean on David Mendel um, if we need to. I can just tell you that the, um, the uh, original, well here, the, the numbers basically will say that we will not be more than increasing the number of trips by more than one vehicle per, in a minute. 
So one, it's it's less than one vehicle a minute increase. So it just seems, and that's at obviously at a peak at peak hours. Um, you want the overall numbers? They're up there. The AM peak is 50 trips. You can look down at the graph and you can see um, the directions of the vehicles for for each direction. Um, access from the site and then on to South uh, Waterson Trail. And on the right are the PM peak, uh, which is a total of, I think it says 58 trips, but that's, um, so like I said, if you want more questions on that, let's refer to David because he's just better at reading those. Go to the next slide, please. There was also brought up with some of the comments from neighbors about crashes along uh, water South Waterson Trail. So we did a little review of the uh, KSP crash data, and uh, that's this is what you can generate this on their site. And so at the number there was 30 crashes reported between the last five years, basically. 13 of these were associated with wet road conditions and one with icy conditions. None of these involved serious or fatal injuries of the five that included injuries and 10 were single vehicle um, incidents. So I guess what we're saying is that we don't, I mean, I'm not negating that there are, are crashes there, because obviously there are, And I'm, but it just seems like uh, it's not as significant as you might think. It's just significant to those individuals who are affected by it. Um, so if we can go to the next slide, please. So this is our previous rendering, and I know that Chief had made a mention that it, we didn't have enough variation in the building facade. Um, there, was, there was some concern about that. So that just kind of take a quick look at that. And then if you go to the next slide, we've revised it. And it's not as obvious on this screen, honestly. But if you look above the garages, for, se for example, the one on the far left has a vertical siding on either side of the windows. And then there's... Um, a different type of material under the um, the gable. If you go to the next unit, again, above the garage, we're looking at a different uh, color and the direction of the siding is different. Um, and again, above the gable, we've got some dif dif um, dif different look there. The third one, and it's a little bit hard to see, but when I looked on my screen, it looked kind of like a slate green, whereas the first one on the far left was more of a just a, a, a gray, a darker gray. Um, so the next one was like a slate green, let's just say. Uh, and but again, it's in a different direction and a different, a little bit different material. Um, so, so those are some of the things that that have been changed on this perspective. If you can go to the next slide, this was again the, the original rear, which. Again, we, we haven't changed it that much, but if you look on the end of the building where it's totally brick, uh, I would like to say first that the materials being used here are high quality materials. And that was one of the things that was indicated in the plan. It's a, it talks about brick and stone and, and then having a variety of materials. And then although we don't have it on the re, a variety of materials, we do have brick, which is a very high quality material. Um, and we do have the same on the ends. But that end was totally all brick. If you go to the next slide. Yeah, you have about five minutes, Kathy. All right, I'm almost done. Uh, you'll see that they have added under the gable on that end unit, the, um, the end of the building, they've added some siding there 
just have a different different look there. And uh, we were agreed to provide foundation plantings, especially along those ends that are just a public right of way to soften that and kind of add a little bit more detail. Uh, if you can go to the next slide. So then that's all of our presentation for today was um, other than answering your questions and concerns. And like I said, David Mendel and, and Brian Wacker, the developer are here with me as needed. Questions, commissioners? I have a question uh, concerning the traffic, uh, Kathy. Um, yeah. So did uh, transportation planning ask uh, for you all to look at the need for an auxiliary turn lane there? No. Okay. So we were not told it was required by uh, traffic. Okay. So at this point in time, it's off the table because we didn't, we didn't ask for it. I guess we didn't feel like that the traffic volume on South Waterson Trail was such that it necessitated. Um, I, I do know that the um, the review that we got from a traffic engineer said that it did not trigger the requirement for a turn lane. But and that we did was not Adam get, that said that, or was it one of our? You know, here's the funny thing: we had Adam look at it, and I didn't find it in his report. But I had an earlier. Uh, Quick review from Diane that I can give you a copy of if you want to, and it it does specific says straight out that trip that the um, turn lane was not required based on the volume of traffic generated by this development. Well, and if we didn't ask for it, I mean, you know, for you to even take a look at it, then it must not just be. Staff, I mean, like I said, staff mentioned it. They mentioned it, but um, staff being planning and design staff mentioned it in regards to the high view um, neighborhood plan. Okay, and then your your, tra your crash information is interesting. I always find that kind of interesting, but you kind of always want to know. Uh, so, at thirty crashes over the last five years, uh, is that normal? You know, uh, relative to you know, national average for a two lane kind of rural roadway. Um, and uh, can you? I you personally know that? can't say. And, you know, tell you that I can tell you that when we pulled the information initially, we had an individual at our office who's no longer at our office who had written an email who said that she had uh, monitored crash data for, um, I'm trying to think, the highway department and somebody else. And she said these numbers did not look, were not significant and did not, would not trigger anything as far as she, um, from her experience. Yeah, and, it, and just based on what you've said, it sounded like the crashes were probably shoulder problems. Uh, icy roads could have been like icy roads 10 of been. those. Oh, but, I don't yeah, know. They, they, or, or it could just be that there was speeding and, could be. you know, I don't know, somebody crossed in front of them. Okay, and then one final question. Um, you know, the ends of the buildings that are fronting, the ends of the townhouse buildings that are fronting on South Warson Trail, yes. do, they, do they meet the form district requirements for the land development code in terms of they don't have any windows or anything like that? Right. The um, I did discuss this with Jay. We did provide them to him. He thought that with the additional foundation plantings that that could be approved. Okay. And with the change that we made so it was not totally all brick, um, that that would be suffice. So is that a waiver that we're? Uh, if I can I just address, address that. that. Yeah. So the land development okay, language, the land development language talks about that um, uh, there will be consistent materials and architectural design. 
Um, it doesn't necessarily say that there has to be windows. Um, you know, on the original, uh, there, there was a question raised about that because the original ends were basically all brick from gable to floor. Um, after some, after that, they they changed it to add some more uh, to basically continue the siding and other architectural features within the gable area um, to bring that consistency around. Um, and then adding the uh, the plantings were just another measure of trying to help. Uh, you know, increase that compliance. Okay, so at this time, Jay, you are satisfied that uh, they have mitigated uh, the, for the lack of windows and articulation in the side of the building? Yeah, I, I felt that they had updated it in a manner that was consistent with what the land development code wanted. But like I said, it doesn't necessarily require windows. It talks about consistent architectural design and quality of materials. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, other questions, Chief? Can we put the elevations up that show the facade? Not that one. Yes, that one right there. So looking at that building right there, will that, the building next door to look look just exactly like that or more or less it would be similar the buildings would be similar it, but there will be different colors and materials within you'll be duplicating that right well there's different lengths and numbers of units on the building so they would be similar yes they would be using some, some of the same materials they wouldn't be exactly the same but they could they could be very similar Maybe you can work on doing a binding element that says that'll be different because the way that I read the Highview neighborhood plan, it says rather than duplicating the same facade or building design in a continuous row. And I think if you. Right. So within that, that continuous row, we are changing the materials for each unit with some of those changes that I mentioned. I don't know exactly what order or exactly what color, but we were agreeing to making sure that they wasn't just all the same exact colors all the way across. So, and it's not all the exact same materials because you've got the siding that's vertical, you've got the siding that's horizontal, and even some that are uh, have. And it's if only you could blow this up a little bit more. Um, I, I hear just, what you're saying there, mm -hmm. but I think if you use that same facade, even though. The left is different than the center, which is different from the right. If you take that building and you plop it right next door, that's not consistent with the high view plan. I think they want each building to be a little bit different than the one next door. I, I didn't read it that way myself, but um, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I'm just saying I didn't interpret that way. I thought it was just that to make the units um, look is, rather than duplicating the same facade or building design in a continuous row. But yeah, but we're not in a continuous row. We're not using the exact same. So the facade next it's door a, is going to be different than that one that we're looking at. Well, I think the I think it's going to be similar, and then and the next building might have one facade that looks just like that, but it may not be the end unit that looks exactly like that. It might be a middle unit, you know, and then. And if you, if, uh, if you can shift that over to see some of the, the next one, maybe. You see, there's a, there's a different color there. And then on that next one over again, 
were looking at trying different colors. So they would have the same palette throughout the, I'm sorry, throughout the development, but they would be mixing the colors and some of the materials. I, I agree with what you're saying there. Uh -huh. and, and yes, the, the left unit is going to be different than the right unit, which is going to be different than the next, the next unit. one down. Right. But, you know, building beside that rubber stamp of that building there. You want to give me some help here? Maybe, maybe see if Brian Wacker might be able to. Can you bring me your speaker form, please? And start with your name and address, please, before you speak. Hold on real fast. This is David Mendel, 5151 Jefferson Boulevard, Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, um, back in 08, 12, 14, we had a downturn, a pretty serious downturn. There are not many local builders still around. Brian is one of the successful builders, local builders that is still around. Brian came in on Spring Villa. Uh, Bill and I was involved on Spring Villa. It was a very nice development. The person that did it overbuilt everything. I mean, Mr. Cox just threw, I mean, they, they're the nicest units in Highview. He just got caught at a bad time. It went back to the bank. Uh, Brian came in and had to deal with like 20 existing homeowners that had condos and had to get them all to agree. And Brian has successively built out all those. So the one thing, as far as the quality of the exterior, the quality of the interior, the landscaping, everything that Brian has done in this community has been first class, but I'll let you go ahead. Well, let me ask you that, David. Now, you're saying that because he's a really great builder, that means we shouldn't look at what the Highview neighborhood plan. No, I'm just saying, I think, I think with the palette and everything we're talking about with changing the colors and some of the buildings are for four units, some are eight unit buildings. You know, there's different buildings depending on the site. I just wanted to, to, to mention that he is a, 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 someone locally that's a local builder that has survived some tough times. I mean, I can go over a list of friends that I had. It's been down here before I wait. They're no longer around. Uh, and it's a shame uh, that that happened. But no, I think the buildings with the colors, some buildings are four, some six, some are eight. And I think what Brian could do, we can work with the different colors. And I think these are attractive. I think hopefully everybody would agree these are attractive units. And I'm not taking that away from you. I just want to be sure that we're going with what the spirit of the Highview plan says so that we're not rubber stamp cloning this building with the one next, which would. Well, just about three or four years ago, the apartments there in Fagenbush, uh, I can't, I guess a senior moment, I can't remember their name, but Joseph Waldman was the developer. And on that development, they was all two story apartments. The footprint stayed the same, except what was varied was the different colors. And that was accepted back at that time, only two or three years ago. So I do think there's a, there has been something uh, out there that we just varied the colors and that was acceptable. But I know, I know different people have different interpretations and different opinions about and I that. I believe we had a binding element that said you would do that very thing. Right. And, and it would be submitted to staff and, right. and staff would approve the variations so that we yes. do have. But as far as the footprint, though, it was the same footprint. I think there was eight buildings on that. I don't see anything in a high view plan that says you can't have the same footprint. Right. I think it's not in the design of the facade. Um, 
Brian Wacker, developer, 9300 Bates Road, Louisville 40228. Um, anyway, I apologize for any confusion in, in our interpretation of the, the sign and, and colors, but had many compliments from uh, in our neighborhood meeting. I mean, they everybody said we we really like you know this plan, these townhomes, and that was prior to these changes. So with G these changes, now we've added stone, we've added vertical siding, horizontal siding, shakes, of and many different colors. Now I don't want to open up a Crayola book and and and, and not and not be able to sell these things. You know they got to be marketable, and, and I, I think it really does. You know they, they're all complementary. You know they're very similar, but they're not the same. And and I mean. If you've got some recommendations <clears throat> to where we can keep the same footprint, same floor plan without, you know, significant floor plan changes, I'm all for it. You know, I want it to look good, but I've also got to create something that, that, that will sell. And, you know, we've got many things working against us. The price is one, okay? Um, I can't build affordable detached housing anymore. It's very hard for me. So, to keep the quality up, I'm starting to attach buildings together. And that helps me make more affordable homes. I think there's a need for these. There's nothing else like that in the in the area. I think they should sell just fine. Brian, I have a question. Based on this rendering, is the garage on the left larger or is that just how the it's scanned? So no, it is larger. So the garage on the left is a little bit larger. Right. All right. We're putting two car garage units on the on both ends and one car garage is in the middle. It's just kind of how the footprints kind of matched up, married up together. And because of that, the units are larger. There's a choice that someone might want a larger unit than someone with a smaller unit. So you give them the marketplace. Well, I asked because of Chief's question about, you know, some buildings are longer, smaller, bigger garage, smaller garage. Thank you. Can I ask a question here? Uh, how many buildings are there? Separate buildings? And are they a mixture of triplexes, fourplexes, eightplexes? I mean, are there's a mixture of them? There's a picture. Right. There's a total of 14 buildings. And they are a mixture anywhere from four units to eight units. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, I, I like the plan and I like what you're doing with the exteriors. And I think it's very reasonable what you're doing. I also see what the chief's trying to say, but I think to the extreme of, of the duplication, the rubber stamp, what he's getting at, you know, the old barracks, when you looked at it, if you didn't know what corner you were on, they all look the same. You know, I, I really don't think that, you know, since you have different quantities in some of those different buildings you'll have mixed in where your two car garages are with your one car garages i mean i think you're going in the right direction maybe not far enough to appease you know the critical eye that chief has on duplication but i really don't see that you're actually rubber stamping the next building exactly like every one of them is that true i think that's true yes well, and I agree because they are, as long as they say, yeah, we'll be doing different colors on different buildings, you might have the same color. We might have 20 colors, but 
they will be mixed around a little bit. And well, this is part of our with proposal, that. right? I mean, the presentation today, and it shows the different materials and different, um, you know, types of siding and, and things like that, and different colors. So we're agreeing to doing a mix of colors and, and materials. Right. But we need to probably memorialize that in a binding helmet that you will use a mix of colors. Yeah, I think that. If you I think, think it's necessary, I thought that I thought the picture speaks a thousand words. <laughs> but whatever is required, we are agreeing to that basically. We're agreeing to what we showed on the picture. Yeah, you're, can't we use our standard uh, based on what we were shown today? Is that not it? That's what I assumed it would be. I yeah, you can use a mixture of different colors, different side, types of siding, stone, brick. Right, you know, and it shows on the, the, the picture shows all of that. Right, I agree. So it's already in here. Final elevations will be, and renderings will be substantially similar to the elevation shown at the Planning Commission public hearing on October fifth, twenty twenty three. I'm okay with that. Well, I, I think if we could add the words, and we'll include a mixture of colors amongst the bit amongst different buildings. I'm okay with that. Are you all? I mean, as long as it's referring to the, the elevation we've provided, yes. As depicted on the elevation revised concept building perspective. Which is what it says, yes. Okay, I don't, I don't want to drag this out any more than what we've done, but um, I'm looking at this elevation. And by the way, I think it's a very attractive building. Uh, but I'm looking at the inset uh, and that side elevation on the inset is different than the elevation that is shown as part of this presentation. Uh, that one at least has a little bit more character to it than a blank wall. Can you back it up, Julia, to maybe some of the other elevations and see if I'm Thank that's you. Okay, an there old we go. One. This yeah. is the current. That's yeah. old. So that's an old one. Yes. And it okay. says previous concept and current. Oh, got concept. it. Okay, that's me just being stupid. All right. Got it. Okay. I'm fine. All right. Anything else? Commissioners, questions? I don't have any other speaker forms. Julia, you don't have email online. Okay. All right. One final offer of questions before we close the public hearing. All right, hearing no objections, we'll close the public hearing. Uh, commissioners have anything they'd like to share with their fellow commissioners? All right, we got a change in zoning to address variance. Madam Chairman, you know, I'm not disagreeable on this is a reasonable zoning change. You know, this is the type of housing that we're that we're looking for it's different it's a variety and leave the, the only and, and i'm not opposed to the, the rezoning i'm just wanting to be sure that you know we honor and respect the the highview neighborhood plan where when you walk into this place you're not looking at over and over again it's a little bit more interesting and that's the only thing I was driving at.
Well, is that a zoning issue or is that the district development plan issue? Child to the parent, I think, probably. Zoning is the parent and the development plan is the child. And All right, other thoughts? I'm thinking that the applicant heard uh, Commissioner Carlson, and I think that what Commissioner Carlson is asking for can be done with this same uh, building plan that we saw. It's just that maybe the applicant could take some of those same uh, exteriors of the building and just mix them up on other buildings and it would that would be different. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just thinking everything doesn't have to, every building does not have to have the stone or whatever at the bottom and every, every area just mix them up a little bit and that would be different even with the colors. I mean, it's just what I'm thinking. I don't, I don't think that it's a bad idea to do what they've done. I just think they can mix the colors and the exterior up to make them look different in terms of the facade. And I don't know if I'm making sense to you all or not. Well, makes sense to me. Does, I agree with that. Do you want the binding element 3E expanded to say that? I'm just trying to help yeah, to say color and texture and yeah, yeah just mix up material. the colors and the texture and the materials of the exterior. That's all they got to do. And they will be looking different. Right. I mean, that's the way I see it. Makes me happy as I'll get out. Okay, good. <laughs> Jay, could you uh, work on a little bit of language to revise that 3E to just, capture that uh, thought? Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me give me a second to try. I just think maybe adding a few words to it that not really taken away from that binding element, but just saying maybe the more of a variety of colors and materials from building to building. Yeah. Sounds good to me, Madam I, Chair. I think they've got, they got the unit to now. unit different. Yeah. yeah. Chief wants building to building different. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, that's what I'm saying, building to building different. Yeah. Yeah, they can mix them up in every, I mean, all the units don't have to be the same ex exterior. They just mix it up to make it palatable <laughs> and aesthetically pleasing. Okay. Anything else? Other thoughts, problems, issues? I hate to even even bring it up, but if you read later down, uh, the neighborhood plan says the building should have proportions and massing that creates a higher density residential neighborhood compared to a large apartment building with large parking lot. And I believe they've done that. And that same just as a positive nod to the neighborhood plan. All right, thank you. So do you want to hear the, do you want to hear what Jay's coming up with? Or are you ready to entertain a motion on the zoning change? I guess we really need the binding element until we get there. Yeah, yeah, I would just uh, maybe suggest that um, can add, they will include 
the 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 mix of colors and materials shall vary across buildings. I'm trying to yes. Is that fair? I think that expands on it. Yeah, they like it. Okay. All right. Anyone ready to make a motion? Starting with the zoning change. Yeah, I can take a run at it. Go ahead. Okay, in the case of uh, 23 zone 0063 at uh, 7009 uh, South Waterson Trail and 7909 and 7913R Glazer Lane, uh, also known as Waterson Gardens uh, uh, Townhouse. Um, I and making a motion that um, we recommend to Metro Council a change in zoning from R5 single family to R5A multifamily residential. And I'm making the recommendation based on the staff report and testimony that we've heard today. Second. Okay, we have a properly made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote, please. Fisher. Yes. Howard. Yes. Kern. Yes. Carlson. Yes. Cheek. Yes. Mims. Yes. And Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. In terms of the uh, variance uh, for the same case, 23 zone 0063, uh, I recommend uh, that we uh, grant a variance up to 28 feet for a total front setback of 87 feet as shown on the development plan. And I make the recommendation based on what was presented today by um, in the staff report as well as by the testimony that we've heard. Second. Okay, properly made motion and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call vote. Carlson? Yes. Kern? Yes. Howard? Yes. Fisher? Yes. Cheek? Yes. Mims? Yes. Lewis? Yes. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. and finally, uh, for uh, case number 23, zone 0063, I recommend that we approve the revised district development plan with the binding elements, including um, binding, uh, in addition to binding element 3E that's, that uh, would say uh, final elevations uh, and rendering shall be substantially similar to the elevations shown in the Planning Commission public hearing, hearing October, uh, 20, uh, October 5th, 2023, and should also include greater variation of color and use of materials among the buildings. Second. Okay, Chief. Shell is good. Second. Okay, we got a properly made motion and second. Any further discussion? And we're doing that, of course, based on the testimony that we've heard today and the staff report. I knew there was something else. Thank you. All right. Second, second agrees with that too. All right, anything further? Roll call vote, please. Howard. Yes. Fisher. Yes. Carlson. Yes. Kern. Yes. Cheek. Yes. Mims. Yes. Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything further? Motion to adjourn.